0: values and one of their core values said this the way the one of their core values said this we believe that the manifestation of the spirit is a gift that we can have it is It shows that we are spiritually mature. The way I interpret this core belief is that if you do not speak in tongues, if you do not have the gift of healing or the gift to prophesy, then you are not spiritually mature. For the most part, I will beg you not to believe in this deception. And there are many videos on YouTube showing TV evangelists portraying the Holy Spirit as if he is a baseball to be thrown around. I have seen one TV evangelist on YouTube telling a group of of people to catch the Holy Spirit. So what he did, he took his arm and fling it towards a group uh, group of people, and he said, catch the Holy Spirit, and they all fell back into their chairs. After people will catch the Holy Spirit, they will fall backwards and act uncontrollably. Not only that, I have seen TV evangelists hype people up to the point of the to the point of hypnosis, causing people to act uncontrollably. This type of pneumatological Teaching is nothing but demonic. Nothing but demonic. And what I mean by, as a footnote, what I mean by pneumatological. Pneuma means spirit. Theological is the derivative of the word theology. So once you put those together, you have the study of the Holy Spirit. First Timothy tells us, In the latter times, people would depart from the faith, devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and demonic teachings. And it is shocking to hear people teach blasphemous teaching of the Holy Spirit. It is shocking, not just because they're teaching blasphemous teaching of the Holy Spirit. It is because they're still living to teach blasphemous teaching of the Holy Spirit. To pronounce a statement about God that is not true is a dangerous act. For example, in the book of Acts, chapter 5, we read about Ananias and Sapphira. Many of us know about this story. Ananias and Sapphira lied to God. They were supposed to sell their real estate property, give it to the apostles, so the apostles can distribute it to the church as needed. But they lied about giving all the money to the apostles. After they sold their property, the apostle Peter asked Ananias and Sapphira, did you give all the money to the church? They both said yes. And we know how the story ends, that the Holy Spirit killed them. Why? Because Ananias and Sapphira, they didn't lie just to the apostles, but they lie to God Himself. They lied to God Himself. What's to your neighbor? Go ahead. What's to your neighbor? And say, "Do not lie to the Holy Spirit." <laughs> Beloved, the Holy Spirit is not some type of mystical force. He is not a force. He is not something that you can catch. The Holy Spirit is the third person of the triune God. He has the exact DNA of God, and He is God of God. He is equal to God the Father and God the Son. And there is no difference between him and the Father and the Son when it comes to His divinity. But there is a distinction in the personhood of the Holy Spirit. Does that make sense? In the personhood Of the Holy Spirit. There's also a distinction between the personhood of the Father and the Son. In other words, we worship one God, but yet within the triune God, we identify that there are three personhoods. One divinity, three personhoods. This is a mystery that our minds cannot comprehend. And even when we get to heaven, we still won't comprehend the nature of God. Therefore, the personhood of the Holy Spirit is not the same as the personhood of God the Father and God the Son. However, we still worship one God. And when, when I say personhood, I want you to think about... Within the triune God, that there are three persons, but yet differently in their functionality. It is similar, although any illustrations of God will fall short to describe His being. It is similar to a husband and a wife. A husband and wife is equal in every respect, but their roles are distinct. And their functionality are different as well. But when you bring them two together, they become what? One flesh. As we all know, the Father is not the Son. The Son is not the Father. And the Holy Spirit is not the Father nor the Son. Lastly, if you were baptized you were baptized in the name of the Father and of the Son and, and of who? The Holy Spirit. You are baptized in one God. Amen? As you can see behind me, it says the divinity of the Holy Spirit, and that's what we have been talking about. We talked about the divinity of the Holy Spirit. But what I want to do is let's look at Scripture to highlight his personhood. To highlight his personhood. Turn to Acts chapter 13, verse 2. This is a a short passage describing... Barnabas and Paul but what I want you to pay attention is what the Holy Spirit said to them well not necessarily said but what he it says now therefore we're in the church at Antioch prophets and teachers Barnabas cinnamon uh, Who was called Niger, Lucius, and Cyrene, Manian, a member of the court of Herod, the tetrarch, and Saul? Here's verse 2. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Some of you may be thinking, okay, what's the point? The point is, he audibly spoke to the apostles. He audibly spoke to the apostles. It's showing his personhood, his personality. There's many stories that we have heard throughout the scriptures that's showing God the Father speaking to everyone. Even God the Son in his divinity and manhood... Speaking to everyone in person. But here, we see that the Holy Spirit is speaking to everyone. The Holy Spirit spoke audibly to the apostle that goes to say he always spoke to men. and he is still speaking to men. He is still speaking. There's only been one time that I can recall that I believe the Holy Spirit spoke to me. It wasn't something strange. It was basically scripture. Crystal and I went to a movie, and we have a ground rule in our house. If a movie blasphemed God's name by using his name in vain in any kind of way, we just got to get up and leave, despite us paying $20. $20. <laughs> And one movie that we was watching, I believe it was Ant-Man, and they said Jesus' name in vain. And instantaneously, I heard, for me and my household, we shall serve the Lord. And at that moment, I was like, Argh! grudgingly. is still speaking to me. When you, ask, when you ask God for a wisdom, it is the Holy Spirit who grants wisdom. He is the epitome of God's wisdom. Scripture says, For those who love God, these, these things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of of God. And it is the Spirit who dwells within us. So when, for those who don't know Scripture, who pick up the Bible and just read it and is not connecting with them, it is the Holy Spirit who illuminates the text, giving us that understanding of what Scripture It's saying, turn to Ephesians. Turn to Ephesians chapter 5. We're still talking about the personhood of God. Excuse me, uh, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30. What does it say? And do not grieve, who? The Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. We can grieve the Holy Spirit. I know for sure that some of your translation may say something different. But this grieving is basically you're rejecting what the Holy Spirit is telling you at any giving moment. That is to say, he can be rejected if an unbeliever who falls under the conviction of the Holy Spirit and grieves or rejects the Holy Spirit throughout his life and he dies, he or she dies, he or she will go to hell. Amen? Why? Because you are committing the unforgivable sin. Every single day the Holy Spirit is trying to woo you back to God to have a perfect relationship with God the Father and God the Son. But if you reject those convictions that the the Holy Spirit is doing, you're committing the unforgivable sin. You are sealing your eternal death. If you don't come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, you have rejected the Holy Spirit and you will die in your sins and eternally go to hell. Jesus said it himself. Every sin and blasphemy will be forgiven, but the blasphemy against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. That was Matthew chapter 12, verse 31. You don't have to turn now, I'm just giving you a reference. Let's talk about Benfield. Let's talk about Ben Benfield. We understand that the Holy Spirit role is totally different from God the Father and God the Son. God the Son came here to bring redemption to us, which he accomplished. The Holy God the Father is the one who's giving out the authority. Now the Holy Spirit is the one who is sealing everything that the Son has done. So when you talk about sanctification, it is the Holy Spirit who is sanctifying you to be more like his Son or to be more like Christ. and It is the Holy Spirit who gives you that insurance, or assurance, to let you know that you are in perfect communion through Jesus Christ. So, for those who don't have that type of assurance, For those who don't know, or maybe a little concerned about their salvation, I encourage you to either talk to me or talk to Pastor Gus or or an elder. Because it may just be a possibility. Just a small possibility that you're not safe. If you don't have that assurance. What I do want to say about being filled. A lot of translations within scriptures says being filled or full. They use those two terms. So whenever you're reading your Bibles, within uh, alone by yourself, you come across that word filled, being filled with the spirits. They have different connotations, right? There are four Greek words that give us an idea of what this meaning actually means. For example, the word plimplame means to be filled. Here's another word, it's more like an adjective. Implempleme means to be filled. And the third one, pelarou, means to be filled. But pelarou can means mean that you are filled with emotions. There's plenty of times when we read in scripture when uh, a biblical writer would say, they were filled with anger. It also can mean that you are under such pressure, whatever that pressure is, you're going to respond either in the Spirit or not of the Spirit. When I was doing this Greek study, I think Plimplame, the very first one, it always related to to the Holy Spirit. Because pularu, it can means that for those who, let's, for example, here's John MacArthur's book. He used that word pularu. It's called, What Does It Mean to Be Filled with the Spirit? And he said that the word pularu can demonstrate a boat on an ocean. And it is the wind that is carrying that boat to wherever it desire it to go that's one meaning to be filled but this word plimpleme it deals with not only with someone's emotions but it deals with the person itself like for example you can turn back to ephesians chapter 5 verse 18 Right there, just say amen. It says, and do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the spirit. Be filled with the spirit. This word fill in Greek means plimplymade. And it literally means the saturation of You've been soaked up with the spirit so much. So when someone squeezes you as if you were a sponge, you're going to link out whatever the spirit or whatever you've been meditating on the spirit. Does that make sense? Let me explain it differently. If you have two sponges, one sponge is totally dry. The other sponge is in, uh, in water. You place that sponge in water, pretending indulge me for a second, that the water is the Holy Spirit, and you squeeze that sponge, what's going to come out of it? What's going to come out of is water? And that goes to say, for those who are being saturated, for those who are been permeated, were you meditating on scripture Day and night, night and day, when you're controlling your emotions and the Holy Spirit is yielding you to do what you des- what He desire you to do, and when you under that pressure, what's going to come out? What's going to come out is what the Holy Spirit saturated you in. But. This even goes for me. If you're a dry sponge, nothing is going to come out. But your flesh, nothing is going to come out. So, for those who are not been saturated by the Spirit, for those who are not meditating on God's Word, for those who, who, in a sense, not yielding to the Spirit, I want you to ask yourself, are you filled with the Spirit? Let's make something clear again. If you're saved, you're baptized with the Spirit. I'm not questioning that. If you are in Christ, the Holy Spirit is sanctifying you. I'm not questioning that either. But there is a distinction between being sanctified and being filled, it is a process. In order to be sanctified, you have to be saturated first. In the spirit himself. You have to allow, you have to be that sponge. So that sanctification process can continue to work within you. So I'm not questioning if the Holy Spirit dwells in you. I'm questioning, are you being filled? Are you If something, if you're under pressure, are you going to be permeated what the Holy Spirit is placing in you? Does that make sense, church? Amen. So how do I want you guys to respond? One thing I'm not going to ask you to do is come up here so I can lay my hands on you and ask you to be filled with the Spirit. That's what I'm not going to do. But what I want you to do is to really meditate, to really think about your spirituality right now. Ask yourself are you yielding every single moment to the Spirit's will? Are you allowing the Holy Spirit to, con- to control your emotions, the way you think, the way you act, the way you respond under pressure? I cannot answer that for you. I can answer for myself. And many times I can say I don't. So let's take me for example. If I am just constantly, every single minute, every single second of my life, been saturated in the Holy Ghost, and he is just pouring into me, I'm using that word pour loosely because that's not what it actually means, but he's just giving me what I am feeding on. That should dictate how I respond to my wife. How I respond to others. So, are you filled? Ask yourself that. Are you filled? And it doesn't take a person with a Ph.D., to be filled with the Spirit, who has have a master of divinity. It doesn't take that person like that. Because when you think about it, you think about the disciples. They were fishermen. Their occupation was to gather fish, not to study doctrine. But throughout the book of Acts, you see Luke records, the apostle Peter was filled with the Spirit. Or Barnabas, Or James. Or Stephen. These characters wasn't bright and intelligent. The only one who boasted to a small degree was Paul because he studied harder than any of them. To say the least. To give you that illustration. Being filled with the spirit. is allowing your emotions not to be dictated by your flesh. But to be dictated by the spirit. Where when someone asks you about your day. Scripture should just come to your mind. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Uh, Father, I thank you for your precious people. I do ask you to give them that desire, that burning desire, to allow them to be saturated with your spirit. Because you dwell in them. You are bringing about their sanctification. But it is us, in a major sense, that we are failing to, to meditate on your scriptures day and night. Where your word is, is rooted deep into our hearts and also in our minds. So whenever we are under pressure, we, we, can, we can say, thus says the Lord. So I do ask you to help us to to go back to our first love, which is you. To give us that burning desire that we once had when we first came to a saving knowledge of you. And I pray that you will bless your people in your son's name. Amen.